All right, fellow fact checkers, we've got a brand new sponsor, and I am excited to promote this product. It's Fox and Sons Coffee. Now, Fox and Sons Coffee is a family-owned and operated small business selling whole bean, organically roasted, amazingly good coffee. On their website, Steve, the company's founder, describes how his love of coffee started with special Saturdays with his dad when he was growing up. Steve wants to share his love of coffee with you and the entrepreneurial spirit with his sons. Check out the website, foxnsons.com. And take a look at their best offer. A monthly subscription for three bags of coffee with free shipping for $38.89. Also, Steve's been on the show. He's a friend of the show. He follows us on the morning after as well as here on Fact Check This Podcast. Steve is a great dude. Great company to support. So go check out Fox and Sons Coffee. And get your morning started off right with a bag of delicious Fox and Sons Coffee. Let's start the show. this podcast and today i am joined by stephanie kniesenek and we are going to talk about christian astrology and and some of that sort of stuff i have always been told that i am very much a sagittarius and i have no idea what that means i don't really um pay attention to i actually had a boss one time that she uh she said you're a sagittarius aren't you i was like uh <laughs> yeah she's like i knew it it's like okay <laughs> that's cool um yeah i've never really but i've never really kept up with it uh uh, there was a group of us at, at work that we would read our horoscope at the end of the day. Like we'd get the newspaper and do the crossword puzzles and everything. And then at the end of the day, we'd read our horoscope to see if it was actually accurate to the day. And surprisingly, a lot of times it was, which is interesting. But uh, maybe, but we we would do it at the end of the day. That way it would it didn't influence influence us for the day. Like we wanted to see how it how it looked after the fact. Uh, so that was that was pretty cool. But that's really the that, that's really the extent of my experience with anything astrology related. So I'm gonna let you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll kind of dive right in. Yeah. So my name is Stephanie Knesnik. Um, I I go by my astrology name is basically the Mountain Mystic. I, I use that name because you know there's something mystical about the study of astrology, and um, <clears throat> I also live on a mountain. Uh, in Northeast Alabama. So I figured the name fit pretty well, but uh, yeah, I've been, I've been studying astrology for almost a decade now. And, you know, I, I actually started out pretty skeptical about it. I, I didn't actually, I'm also a Sagittarius son. Um, funny enough, I, I've never been told that I exhibit any of the qualities that Sagittarius usually does. Um, but uh and and as the deeper I got into astrology, the more I realized why that was. And I I might go into that later, but um, but yeah, the the you know, I just picked up an astrology book about eight, nine years ago and and you know, even though I started out with that skeptical mindset, I I, you know, just kind of flipped through it and found the more I read, the more it seemed to apply. And as I started studying the charts of those around me, uh, I found that it was scarily accurate, which with each and every one of them. So and and then I you know, leapt into um, transiting planets and how, you, you know, planets, uh, as they move through the current sky, how they could, you know, reflect um, events that go on in our personal life or, or events in the world at large. So that the more I read, the more I studied, the more accurate it seemed to be. Cool. So I guess just kind of give me a, a, a uh, for dummies walkthrough of what we're going to be talking about exactly with some of the astrology stuff. Like how did the, how does that all kind of work? Cause I, so, I'm, I'm pretty clueless. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, so I, a, a lot of people um, seem to have the misconception that, that the planets influence us 
or because, you know, somebody's son might be in Sagittarius, that's the way they are, or because their Mars is in a certain sign that's, that dictates how they act, that dictates how they go to achieve their goals. That's not how it works. Um, the analogy I typically like to use is that it's the cosmic mirror. So it reflects things. It doesn't cause things. The way I explained it to my son is that when you look in the mirror and you see that you have blue eyes, that mirror doesn't make you have blue eyes. That mirror shows you that you have blue eyes. So in the same way, like I, I hope that makes sense. The planets don't cause, they don't influence us. They show us and they reflect to us. You know, they, they, they show how energies might manifest in a person's personality or on, on earthly events. So I, I, I hope that kind of makes sense. Yeah, that, that kind of clears some of that up. Like, like I said, I, I have done some very basic, like surface level type of looking at stuff. Uh, like mm-hmm. my wife is a Gemini and we get along great. And according to everything that I've read, Sagittarius and Gemini are natural uh, match. My mm-hmm. ex-wife was a Taurus and we didn't get along all that well and that also seems to make sense um so maybe there is something to a lot of this stuff uh, yeah <laughs> so so why don't you let's start with uh i gave you all my information we were going to do like the reading thing let's start with that and then and then we can kind of take okay. it from there and we can jump off into uh more depth on what some of this stuff means okay yeah definitely um so let me see here if it, yeah, and if you want to pull up the the chart that I have there, that'll kind of yes. even though I know that looks like complete gibberish and it doesn't make any sense at all to to anybody who doesn't have an in depth knowledge of astrology, um, it it'll at least allow me to you know point at certain things so that you know that I feel like some visual representation on, on some level can be helpful even if you don't know what what everything means and and it'll kind of help me to be able to pinpoint things and explain as I go along. So typically, most people, um, when they think of astrology, they think of their sun sign, right? It's the position that the sun was in, that the star system, the constellation that the sun was moving through at the time that you were born. So most people don't realize that <clears throat> the astrology is way more than your sun sign. Um, it, it also takes into account the position that the moon was in. And every other planet as well. And each each planet and each sign in your chart is going to dictate a certain energy or a certain aspect of your personality or where a certain aspect of your personality may shine forth. So <clears throat> right here, the, this circular thing right here, this little circle with the dot in the middle, that's your sign. And this arrow right here, that represents the, the sign of Sagittarius. So that that would say that the sun was in the sign of a, of Sagittarius at the moment of, moment of your birth. And what the sun typically represents, it's your outward expression. It's your ego. It's the things that you do. So Sagittarius, um, typically when people think of Sagittarius, they, they think of teachers. Uh, they think of philosophers. Um I'm a Sagittarius son too, like I said previously, so I understand a lot about Sagittarius. We we have a fascination with ideas typically. And when we get when we when an idea takes hold of us, we will chase that idea as far as we can. And we will chase that idea to its very roots. And there is no shortage of time that we will spend in researching an idea. You know, because we we chase that idea, we chase that philosophy, we want to know everything that we can about it. And I wouldn't be surprised if you've ever been called a know-it-all in your life, <laughs> because <laughs> I've heard that a lot, or I've, you know, I've I've had people kind of <laughs> become annoyed with me because because we read, because we research, some of us can kind of get a little bit, you know, arrogant and and thinking we do know it all and to some to some degree it's true and <laughs> but but the thing is there there's good intentions about it it's it's just curiosity we have a never ending curiosity there's a never ending search for truth we are obsessed with searching for truth we're obsessed with searching for knowledge and we want to share it with everybody 
And that's why Sagittarius is typically thought of as the teacher, as the philosopher, because that is what we do. We chase ideas, we find out everything we can, and then we want to teach people about it. Um, <clears throat> there's an adventure, there's an adventurous aspect to Sagittarius's as well. Um, it, you know, it's, it's kind of the mindset of, you know, you only live once. So, you know, we want to do a bit. We want to experience everything that life has to offer. Um, Sagittarius also rules things like faraway travels uh, and foreigners. Um, it's, it's common for Sagittarius folks to have the drive, the curiosity, the desire to see everything they can in the world. They like to travel. They like to meet everybody from any foreign country that they can. Um, and, and that kind of, you know, that plays into that never ending curiosity. We want to know everything about everybody. We want to talk to everybody. We want to know every idea. We want to find out everything, you know, that's, it's, <laughs> so that, that's kind of, that's Sagittarius, it, you know, that those are the major aspects I would say. Um, we can be a little bit scattered. Um, I don't, I don't see in your chart that you're scattered brain, but you might come off to other people as scattered because we have that, you know constant search for knowledge and truth. And we're always finding out new stuff. You know, when we, when we talk to people, it might come off as like, you know, you're all over the place. Sometimes, sometimes you can come off that way to people or, or sometimes it's just like, whoa, 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 slow down. You're throwing too much information at me. Um, I don't know if you've but ever, in my head, it all connects. Like I know where right. every connection is and I can, put right. it, I can put it all together. If you've got like three hours to sit down and let me map the whole thing out for you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And um, so another thing in your particular chart, it, it, when I pulled up your chart and I saw that little uh, sentence where you said that you've been described as very Sagittarius, I just kind of had to laugh when I saw your chart because Jupiter is, you see this little symbol, it looks like the number four. That represents the, the planet of Jupiter. Uh, Jupiter is actually the planet that rules the sign of Sagittarius. And Jupiter, think of Jupiter as grandiose, as big. It's the biggest planet in our star system, right? So anything that Jupiter touches, it's going to expand. It's going to make it bigger. So when <clears throat> you see these numbers right here, so your, your sun in Sagittarius was at 23 degrees of Sagittarius when you were born. And that Jupiter is right behind it at 22 degrees of Sagittarius. So whenever you see a planet run into another planet like that in a chart, it's going to create a blending of energies. Now, because Jupiter is in Sagittarius and it's the ruler of Sagittarius and it's hitting, it's almost right on top of that sun in Sagittarius. Jupiter is expanding that Sagittarius energy. So it's basically multiplying that. So that's, that's why I kind of laughed when, when I read that you were, you know, described as very Sagittarius because that's that Jupiter in Sagittarius expanding and magnifying that sun in Sagittarius energy. Does that, does that kind of make sense? It yeah, makes so it all add up perfectly. Oh, right. Yeah. So that's that's probably in you see this number three down here that mm -hmm. all these planets are sitting on top of? That number three represents the third house. So the third house rules things like so the houses are they represent certain areas, they represent certain domains of life or yeah, you know, areas in which those energies can manifest. So the third house is going to be your house of communication. Uh, it, it can represent how you come across to people, how you communicate with people, your communication style. It can also reflect your immediate environment. Um, it rules things like cousins, siblings, and uncles and aunts, you know, that kind of those extended family members, those people that you might see in your immediate environment. Uh, it rules communication. It might, you, it, it could explain or represent, you know, your, your writing style, uh, your speaking style, you know, uh, so immediate information, how your mind works, how your thought processes run. Um, you know, so, so basically third house is it's, it's usually representative of, of communication in your immediate environment. So <clears throat> as you're communicating with people, uh, and, and as you're writing and speaking to them, that's where that Sagittarius energy is going to shine forth. And so it, you know, it, it that, that energy is really going to manifest strongly it, your whole life. Anytime you talk to people or anytime you write to people that, that Sagittarius energy is, is pretty big and loud. So. That makes a lot of things make more sense. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so. 
person background. I did public speaking stuff all through high school and, and did competitions and won competitions in that regularly. Uh, also, like stuff that anything that was big research type stuff. Uh, I was really good at that sort of stuff and, mm-hmm. and writing. Uh, so that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, one thing you have, I'm I'm kind of envious of this placement. I wish I had it myself. You got over here. Uh, you see this little yellow thing? It, it almost looks like the the sign that represents Venus, but it's got like little horns on it. You see that little yellow thing right there? Uh, so that's your Mercury. So I don't know if you know anything about Roman Roman mythology, uh, but but Mercury. You know, typically it is associated with Hermes. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so, so it so it deals with Mercury can indicate our thought processes, how our mind works, how we process information. Um, <clears throat> and you have your Mercury in the sign of Capricorn. Capricorn is highly analytical. Um, Capricorn is all about strategy. Capricorn is all about the long game. Capricorn is all about being sure footed and double checking and triple checking. And making sure that you have the right information and being strategic about it and making sure you're right. And, it, you know, like I said, being strategic. So having that Mercury, you know, that that planet of thought processes and how you process information and a sign where you're going to be disciplined or you're going to be strategic or you're going to be thoughtful about each and every step. That 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 doesn't surprise me that to hear that you were a very good writer and a very good debater because that mind, that mind in such a disciplined sign. Um, and then combined with that sun that, that drives you to search for that, to, you know, that, that strives to satisfy that curiosity that strives for constant information. You're taking in all of this uh, information or was chasing information and then you're processing that information in a very disciplined, thoughtful, rational way. So that does that, that that I could absolutely see that representing you as a really excellent communicator and and somebody that most people would not want to go head to head in a debate with. <laughs> that that makes you a really uh, formidable adversary in, in any kind of debate or argumentative you, you know arena. So. Yeah. And um, it, now when you're talking about astrology, probably the most important aspect of a person's chart is your ascendant. So your ascendant, also called your rising sign, is the sign that the sun was in as it was cresting over the horizon. So it's the light that ble- that blesses your body as you enter this earth. So over here, this, this little uh, circle with the line through it, that's going to indicate your ascendant. And your ascendant is at eight degrees of Libra. So some people believe this indicates who you are at the soul level. I I don't know that I would necessarily characterize it as such, but it it is a very strong influence in in any chart that you look at. The ascendant is the most important aspect. So your ascendant is going to indicate uh, possibly how your body looks. Uh, it, It represents the body. It represents the self. Uh, it can represent uh, your overall demeanor, you know, what people see when they look at you. Uh, and and you're in Libra. I don't know if you know anything at all about Libras. They can also be a little bit scattered. So it does multiply to some to some degree that that scattered energy that you have with all of this energy in Sagittarius over here. Uh, Li- Libra and Sagittarius are both fairly scattered signs. But Libra has a very strong sense of justice. Uh, they can be indecisive, you know, over trivial matters. Like for a, for a Libra to try to purchase a plane seat, um, you know, they're going to be like, well, I can save $5 if I do this day. And then, well, you know, do I want the window seat or do I want the aisle seat? Because aisle seat, you know, I have e- easier access to the bathroom. But man, I love looking out that window. And it's just you get bogged down in all of these, you know, little details and you know, they can, <laughs> it's almost like decision paralysis. Sometimes you find that with Libras, but when it comes to matters of right and wrong, where there's a moral issue at play, they, 
they will come down with no issue. They have a very strong moral compass and a very strong sense of justice. And in matters of where there's a right and wrong or there's a there's a justice oriented issue, they have no problem at all making a decision. So I, I really appreciate that about about Libras. So it, the symbol of Libra is the sign of the scales. So, you, you know, think about right and wrong. Think about, you know, justice and and whatnot. And that, that will give you a pretty good idea about Libras. Um, they're also very charming. Um, you know, they love to talk to people. It's very important to them that, you know, that there's a, there's an appreciation for beauty and aesthetics. Um, a lot of Libras are pretty well dressed, um, but they love to talk to people. They love to interact and they come off as charming when they do interact with people. So I don't know if you've ever seen that, uh, in yourself, but, but, um, I, I do see that in your chart. <laughs> that's really funny. Uh, yeah, so that's that. It's all making a lot of sense. I, okay. Okay. So we don't know each other from Adam. Like we have right. minimal interaction with each other on like Twitter, and that's about it. Uh, right. so, so like you're not saying any of this stuff from from having known me since I was like in high school and when all uh, when I really started to develop all of these personalities and stuff. But all of this is like really spot on. So that's kind of uh, both. Scary and cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I get that reaction a lot. I've, I've been told I can see right through people just by looking at their chart. It's <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. And, and that's what turned me from a skeptic to a believer. And that's what, you know. <laughs> well, that was like when I was talking about um, like when we would read our horoscopes at the end of the day, like we would do it at the end of the day. So that like it wasn't, I guess, uh, like me and the, the couple guys that I worked with at the time when that we would mm -hmm. do that. It's like. If we read it in the, we had this theory that if we read it in the morning, that knowing that we had read it in the morning and that this is what our day was supposed to look like, it would like somehow subconsciously mm -hmm. influence us. And then our day would become that somehow. So we wait and we read it at the end of the day to see if it was accurate. And I feel like that's kind of like how this, this is like I, I, going into this, knowing absolutely nothing really about this other than just a very surface level, like Google search from here, uh, from time to time on different stuff uh, to like you said, it's like the mirror, like it's it's a reflection, mm -hmm. like none of none of this stuff necessarily influenced anything about me. Like I, I was already me, but this is like a uh, an ex explanation of me that. Uh, really cool, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it can be really fun and it can open your eyes to, you know, things that you don't necessarily want to see. Um, you know, I remember early on, I was seeing stuff in my chart. And I was like, that's not me. Uh, you know, the, you know, <laughs> some of the more negative, you know, or what can be perceived as negative qualities in a person. I was like, nah. And then, you know, it, <laughs> the more you look into it, the more you think about it, you know, the, the more you realize, well, maybe that is something I need to work on. Maybe that is a tendency that I do have. So. Well, some um, of the, like the scattered stuff, like I, I've always definitely been the type that like I'll drop everything and just go do something on a whim. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. it strikes me as like that's going to be cool or that's going to be interesting. Or uh, we, um, at one point, we averaged living in one place for about ten months at a time. Because every time something new would come up, and I had an opportunity to take a promotion or take a raise or take a different job somewhere else, then it's like, yep, let's do that and pack everything up and just move off to another state. And and it was a lot of fun for for a lot of years. And it was also a a huge strain on my my first marriage and, and my relationship uh, with my now ex. And, and I probably wasn't the, uh, the parent that I probably should have been at the time either, but like it was, it was exciting and life was fun. Yeah. Doing that. <laughs> and it, it satisfied that Sagittarius adventurous and free spirit. Yeah, absolutely. And it wouldn't have worked out so well with the Taurus. Taurus is like safety. They like to feel safe. They like to stay put. They like to feel cozy and comfy and warm. They like things to be the way they are. <laughs> so I, I absolutely understand why that didn't work out. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now you mentioned your wife is a jet. Your current wife is a Gemini. That makes sense too. Because if you look up here, you're down here, Sagittarius. Your ninth house is represented by Gemini. So Gemini and Sagittarius are directly opposite to each other. So that little that little expression of opposites attract it actually it absolutely applies a lot of the time. 
So Gemini and Sagittarius, you know, they both have this fascination of ideas. I would say the main um, the main thing that separates Sagittarius and, and Gemini is if you could think of Sagittarius as an inch wide and a mile deep, Gemini's a mile wide and an inch deep. They know just a little bit about everything. And Sagittarius will know a whole lot about a handful of things. So, so, so that's always, you know, that's always kind of the main, I don't know if you see that in your wife at all. I don't know if you see her as a, as a lover of ideas, but more of a, um, you know, more of like just a cursory knowledge of just about everything. Or I, I don't know if you see that, but I would, I would venture to guess she's, she's a good communicator. She's, she's very smart, very witty, very funny. Um, that's typically what you're going to see in Gemini. Sagittarius and Gemini's do share a, a great sense of humor. Um, they both have a have a tendency for debate and arguing. <laughs> Gemini tends to be a little bit more polarizing. Um, when I think about Gemini, I think about Donald Trump. You know, it just either you love him or you hate him. It, you know, you get a cult following on on. <laughs> You know, either end, you either hate his guts or, and I'm not saying I fall in either camp or, and I'm not saying you do, but you know, that, that is a, if you think about Donald Trump, you definitely think polarizing figure. And that's, that's pretty typical of Gemini's. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I, another thing that kind of jumped out at me is this Mars over here. Um, so you have that Mars. Um, in your first house and your ascendant. So you have that Mars and Libra that, that kind of compounds the Libra energy, but it also adds a more aggressive um, aspect to it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if you've ever come off as overly aggressive or if you've come off as overly argumentative to people. <laughs> and I, I'm guessing you're laughing because it's true. I wish my wife I wish my wife was watching this and would say, you don't say. This. Yeah. <laughs> and if you see this big red line between this Mercury and that Mars, that that tells me there's a conflict between these two areas. And it, and it it's kind of like each element of energy demands they're competing. Uh, think about two people squaring off in a boxing match. That's that's kind of what the energy is like between <clears throat> your mind over here and this Mars that kind of drives you to attack with those words or to, or to attack with the information that that you kind of stowed away up here in the brain. Now, this Mercury and Capricorn, that disciplined thought process, that really methodical approach to how you process information is in your fourth house of home and family. So I do cause, I do see this causing, um, you know, I, I could see arguments manifesting in the home on occasion, or I could see that be a, I could see that being a repetitive theme. Um, this also hints to me that maybe, um, like I said, the fourth house is home and family and it's, it's your roots. It's where you come from. Think grandfather, think ancestors, think, you know, it, it can represent your, your actual home life and the energy and the attitudes in your home overall. Uh, but, but it can also represent your childhood, your upbringing, you know, where you came from, how you were raised. So this maybe hints at me, maybe you had, maybe you had a father that was a strong disciplinarian. Um, maybe you had a more, a really traditional, uh, upbringing growing up. Maybe you guys had, maybe you were just taught the importance of discipline. Maybe, maybe you were just taught the importance of respecting tradition. Maybe you guys have, you know, a pretty good genealogical record. Um, you know, maybe a lot of information was passed down, uh, through the family tree. And, I could, I see a level of unconventionality in you. Um, I see a little bit of quirkiness or eccentricity to some degree. Um, 
And I see maybe an indication. I don't know if there was any sort of um, impulse to to break from tradition at any point or to maybe challenge those ideas you were maybe brought up with or, or maybe say, hey, here's a different way of looking at things or. You know, I'm just kind of, these are just kind of things that jump out at me as, as possible manifestations. So I'm just kind of thinking out loud here, but, but, um, I, I do see some potential hard lessons in childhood or discipline in childhood. Um, I saw you shaking your head when you, you, when I said that you were brought up in a traditional, you know, a traditional kind of household. So, and, and our entire family is buried in the family plot that is literally 200 yards from my grandmother's house. Uh, like we, we That's live awesome. right across. We lived right across the field from my grandmother's house and and our family plot where uh, going back, going back to the very first uh, Campbell who had settled on that property. Uh, everybody, all of our all of our family members are all buried in the same little family plot there. So it is. Yeah, there is yeah. a lot of tradition there. OK, nice. Yeah, that that's definitely very Capricornian fourth house energy there. So. <laughs> Yeah, Capricorn also represents the bones and the body. So, um, you know, that that kind of jumps out at me, too, about having a family plot that goes back a long time where everybody's buried in the same place. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, the, the other thing, probably the first thing, actually, that jumped out at me right away when I looked at your chart is... Um, I see a lot of financial savviness. Um, I, I see you as being like shrewd with finances, as being very good with money. Um, about you know being being very conscious of what you want to do with it and how you're going to control it and where you want it to go. Um, and so so I definitely see that there. Um, one thing that's really important with astrology, I said the most important thing is your ascendant. That is that ascendant in Libra. Um, you always want to look at the ruler of the ascendant. So the sign of Libra is ruled by Venus. So Venus is always going to be the most important planet in your chart or your current transits or whatever's going on. You always, when you're looking at a birth chart, you want to see any aspects to Venus. So are there any, are there any planets that are in, that are interacting with this planet Venus? Those are going to be particularly important or they're going to manifest particularly strongly um, you know, in your personality or in your life events. So this, this chart ruler also is going to kind of influence the, the flavor, so to speak, of this ascendant. So even though you're a Libra ascendant, this Venus down here that rules that Libra ascendant is in Scorpio. So, so you're going to have some Scorpio quality shine shine through, especially in your second house of finance. I know, I know I'm throwing a lot of information at you. So, so tell me if at any point I need to stop or slow down, but you know, like I said, second house rules, money rules, finances, it rules practical resources or things that are overall important to you. So this Venus in Scorpio, it lends a really, a really strong influence of like intensity. Scorpio is intense. Scorpio is passionate. Scorpio can be obsessive. Um, I don't know if you've ever found that, you know, you have a little bit of obsession over finances, a little bit of a little bit of obsession over, you know, where the money's going, where it's coming from, where it's, you know, what you're going to do with it. Um, but you have Saturn right on top of that Venus. You have that Saturn and Scorpio right on top of that Venus. That's going to lend some restriction or it's going to lend some discipline. Because Saturn does re represent discipline. Saturn represents hard work. Saturn represents perseverance. So I could see that, you know, and that's why I think shrewd with finances or calculating with finances, because you have that Saturn sort of reflecting a more disciplined approach to how you manage your money or a more strategic approach to how you manage that money, a little bit of patience, maybe, maybe you're like, even though you're naturally probably more impulsive and more impatient when it comes to money, I would see that maybe you're a little bit more controlled. Maybe you're a little bit more restricted. Maybe you do have the ability to delay gratification um, in that kind of arena. Does that, does that kind of make sense or? <laughs> yeah, I wish you could see my screen because I actually have my tab pulled up right, right here next to this one. That is my spreadsheet. 
that has my fam- finances going all the way back to when I got out of college. Like I can tell you everything I've spent <laughs> money on for the last 15 years. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, I'm only just a little bit obsessive and, and yeah. kind of, uh, strategic and, and well-planned and like that's the way i that's the way i manage my fan finances is uh whenever i get i get paid uh bi-weekly so whenever i get paid i then take and and i take that paycheck and i uh break it all out to every single bill that i've got for the rest of the month like what all has to go what all has to get paid and then once all of that is taken care of then i figure out okay what are, what else are we working on like we've been working on the house we've got bills and expenses without how much can I pay off on each of these and still leave myself with enough gas money to get to work for the next two weeks until I get paid. Like it, it's all very, very calculated. If anybody saw the way I manage stuff, they would probably think I'm some sort of psychopath, but there's a, there's a very, very strict method to the madness and it, uh, mm-hmm. and it works really well for me. Mm-hmm. I, I would never suggest anybody else like try to manage their, their money or, uh, or their brain the way that that I kind of put stuff together because it is the, the scattered thing is very real but it's all very connected and and there's a, a very real discipline to to the way it's all done yeah how how funny that's so funny yeah and um yeah and I just I just see it as being super important to you I see you value that um now if you look up in your 10th house of career um, and that's what the 10th house rules, you know, it's, it represents career. Um, it can, or it can represent your overall mountain to climb in life, what your overarching goal is for this lifetime. Um, and, and this, that's this mid heaven right here that, that represents what is your mountain to climb in life or what is your goal for career? It can, and if you see this big, thick blue line, that runs from that Venus and, and Saturn to this midheaven right here. That means there's a pretty, it's kind of think about these, these, uh, I, w- I would say maybe best friends, best buds, or maybe close siblings. Like you just get each other, you know, it kind of finish each other's sentences kind of energy. It's, it's not like here where we were talking about some, two people squaring off in a boxing match. These are best friends. You can finish each other's sentences. You understand you're on the same wavelength. So this shrewd financial calculating disciplined, uh, you know, aspect of your personality jives really well with this midheaven in, in cancer. That's the sign of cancer right here. That's your 10th house of careers ruled by cancer. Uh, cancer is <clears throat> cancer likes to be the provider. Um, in, in taking care, taking care of those who are important to you. Um, I'm not sure how that shines forth in your career. I'm not sure what you do for a living, but, but cancer, a lot of people overlook this about cancers. They're very shrewd with money. Um, and I, I think that's probably driven by that, that need to nurture, that need to protect, that need to think about a mama grizzly bear, um, you know, who's, who's making sure that she's, you know, eating enough before she goes into hibernation and, and who would absolutely lash out and destroy anything who threatened her, her bear cubs. Um, that, that's, that's kind of the sign of cancer in a nutshell. They're, you know, they're, they're wanting to be the provider They're And, and that, that jives, you can't provide if you're not shrewd with your finances. If you're not disciplined about where your money's going, you're not going to do very well as a provider. You're not going to do very well at nurturing. You can't nurture people. You can't nurture those you love if you don't have anything to give them. So that that jives pretty well. Cancer is a water sign. They're sensitive. They they care. Um, a lot of people accuse cancers of being crybabies. I wouldn't say that that would ever manifest for you like that. Um, I don't see that anywhere else in your personality. But but in the tenth house of career, I would say probably at work or probably uh, you know probably your overall public perception is that you are empathetic. You do care about people and and you. You do know what you're doing behind the scenes with money. So I, I don't know if any of that resonates with you at all, but that's what I see there. I've, I've, my entire career has been in management and uh, okay. I've always, <clears throat> I've always put a lot of emphasis on taking care of the people who work for me. 
Like if you're part of my mm-hmm. team, then you're mine. Like you're, mm-hmm. you are my crew and I will, I will go to bat with you, or I will go to bat for you no matter what. Make sure you're, you do what you do good by me. I'm going to do good mm-hmm. by you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, if I had, if I had to choose, I'd probably always want a, a cancer supervisor or boss or manager. Cause you know, you, you do want to work for people that are, that, that have your best interests at heart and care about you. So, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, um, so I was going to yeah. say, um, I, I was going to ask real quick, like about some of the lines, like how does the, the cancer connect to the, the mercury? Like what are the, the different lines mean? Oh, right. So red lines are going to indicate, uh, either oppositions or squares. So opposition is pretty straightforward. You have a planet that's directly opposing another planet. So that's an opposition. So you think, you know, think of, and these just represent how these planets are interacting with each other and how that can create either a flow or a conflict or a tug of war between certain aspects of your personality or certain themes in your life, if that kind of makes sense. Um, so so these, these lines that you see going straight across, these red lines, these are going to be oppositions. So you may feel a tug of war between the, you know, between these energies right here. So, so anytime you see an opposition, it's a sign, it's a planet and a sign that directly opposes another sign that's, that's thought of as, as the opposite. Earlier, we talked about Sagittarius and Gemini. There are clear delineations between the two, um, but they do have a lot in common. So this one right here. The, the thinner the line is, the weaker the aspect is. And the weaker the aspect is, the weaker you're going to see that influence manifest in your life. The thicker the line is, the more obvious in your face it's going to present itself in your personality or in those themes. Um, so that's that's why I made sure to point out this Mars, uh, you, you know, is squaring your Mercuries because I, I'm guessing that jumps out over and over again in your personality and in your life. This one right here, I wouldn't, you know, there's there's five degrees of separation here, which in, in astrology, anything three degrees or under is going to be really strong. That's going to be something that you really want to pay attention to. Once you get, you know, five degrees and over, um, it's, I'm not going to say, I wouldn't say you'll never see it in your life, but, but it's not going to be loud. It's not going to be in your face. It's going to be a lot more subtle. Um, <clears throat> these blue lines, they're called trines. And that's where I explained, you know, best buds, close siblings, finishing each other's sentences. You're on the same wavelength. There's no conflict here. The energy flows. It jives, you know, they understand each other. Uh, sex styles are interesting. That's these green ones right here. Sex styles, you kind of think of those as siblings who quarrel every so often. You understand each other because you were raised in the same family. You have the same background. But sometimes you fight like cats and dogs. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, some some astrologers would say that if you put in the work as though it was a square to understand that aspect, then you're going to get the benefits that you would get out of a trine. I don't know if that makes sense or not. So how does that connect for, um, like, say, the, the line down here at the bottom that you were just that you were just running across? Oh, this one? Yeah, from... Uh... From the Mercury to the, is that going to? Yeah. So, so yes, yeah, so your midheaven in Cancer. Is that the one you were talking about? Oh, uh, I was talking about the the sex one. Uh, yeah. Oh, that this, one. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this would double down on the disciplinarian type energy. Uh, this is Capricorn. This is your Mercury in Capricorn. I understand Capricorn a lot. I have a lot of that influence in me. Uh, Capricorn is disciplined. Capricorn is stern. It's stoic. You're not going to be emotional. You're not going to be fuzzy wuzzy. You're going to be strategic. You're all about thinking for the future, planning for the future. Um, You know, you don't, they don't ever appear vulnerable. You never want to show any vulnerability that anybody could take advantage of. And that's something that Scorpio and Capricorn have in common. So Scorpio and Capricorn are both very conscious of never wanting to be exploited. Um, you're very conscious of the dark side of human nature. Um, 
and you don't ever want to fall prey to any of those people. Um, so there's a degree of stoicism there. Um, I would, I wouldn't think that would shine forth a lot in your outward expression or in your personality, but there is, there, there's a, I would say it double doubles down on that disciplinary, uh, or stern long-term planning as far as when it comes to finances. Um, so, so that's the energy I see there. It's, it's your thought processes being ruled by that Capricornian energy, kind of lending that extra, uh, discipline, lending that extra hard work, lending that extra perseverance to, to managing your finances because Capricorn, uh, is ruled by Saturn. So Saturn, I, I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but, but Saturn rules the sign of Capricorn. So with those, you know, sex dollars, they understand each other and it, there's, it, it kind of doubles down on that energy there that, that that's what drives you to create those spreadsheets. And that's what drives you to not only draw out the plan, not only analyze, not only plan, but hold to the plan once you've actually, you know, drawn it out. So. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. And also the, um, the conflict with the, uh, with the work life thing, because I am very mm -hmm. disciplined and, and, and all of that, mm -hmm. but at the same time where, where work is concerned, I am also somewhat empathetic and a little more, uh, like, like I said, like, I, I try to take care of my guys. So sometimes there is the very, very light conflict of, are we going to do, uh, what's good for the guys, or are we going to try to like push numbers and, and do stuff mm -hmm. like that? Uh, mm -hmm. I don't, that doesn't affect me a whole lot, but yeah, there is. Mm -hmm. Cause usually I'm going to do what's best for the team because if the team is doing, if we're doing what's best for the team and they're mm -hmm. all doing well, then they're going to naturally push for the better numbers. So I don't have to worry mm -hmm. about that side of it because if you take care of your people, then they're going to by that mm -hmm. do the other thing. It's uh, it's all interconnected. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and I could, I could definitely see that slight tug of war, that slight conflict of, of will there. Capricorn is viewed as uncaring and detached and cold. Um, so that absolutely doesn't jive with cancer who wants to nurture and take care of and make sure everybody feels good and make sure everybody's happy. So, um, yeah, I can, I can definitely see that coming into play, um, coming into play in your career at times. So, yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, one, so in astrology, when you look at somebody's chart um, or when you look at somebody's overall astrological, um, you know, personality, it, you focus on three things pretty much. You focus on their sun, you know, their ego, their outward expression, which for you is Sagittarius. You focus on their moon. This will dictate either how you express emotions or how you feel your emotions or what you need to feel uh, emotionally fulfilled. And then you focus on the ascendant. So that's what we call the big three. It's your sun, your moon, and your ascendant. So um, this is a really beneficial placement, actually. Your moon is in Taurus. This is actually the moon's favorite sign to be in. Because, you know, like I said, the moon dictates if you're having a really crappy day, when you get home, what you do to make yourself feel better, it might might be a reflection of, of your moon sign and the house that, that that moon is in. So with your moon being in Taurus, Taurus likes to feel safe. Uh, Taurus likes practical comforts. Uh, Taurus likes good food. Taurus likes you know, a good beer or a nice glass of wine. It really appreciates those kind of things. It likes a comfy couch. It likes a comfy bed. It likes to feel safe and warm and cozy. So, you know, it, I could generally people with a Taurus moon, um, you know, they come home and they eat a plate of cookies or they drink beer, cozy up with their, with their favorite blankie, with their favorite movie. And that's all it takes to make them feel better. <laughs> um yours is in the eighth house um so 
the eighth house is kind of like the darker, shadier aspects of life that people usually don't like to think about. So, so it so it lends a little bit darker, I, and I don't mean darker as far as negative, just like darker as far as tucked away or hidden or things that don't people you know, people don't like to think about. It lends a darker energy to that cozy, fuzzy, warm, safe moon. So eighth house represents things like death and mortality. Represents things like uh, taxes. Nobody likes to think about taxes or mess with that. <laughs> Especially if you're libertarian leaning or anarchist like we might be. <laughs> uh, eighth house also rules uh, sex and, and the bedroom, what you do in the confines of your bedroom. You know, basically things that you don't want other people to see. Basically things that you might not want to see, if, if that kind of makes sense. So eighth house is very sensual also. So I, I, could, I could see you appreciating sensuality. Um, no, or I, I could see you maybe being fascinated with questions about the afterlife or fascinated with, um, you know, kind of those those darker themes in life, a certain fascination or a, a certain curiosity. Um, so, I did, yeah, I'd, I don't know how that might manifest, but that's that's kind of Taurus moon in the eighth is as best as I can put it. That's interesting. I, d I definitely do enjoy. So that's my. That's my comfort chair right there. That's uh, I will pour a a very strong mixed drink and come just lay in that thing and put on a, a TV show or something and and I do have it. I guess I do have a, a uh, my wife says I I'll have a weird taste for movies and and shows and stuff. I I like stuff that's uh, weird and out there and uh, yeah like really crazy sci-fi stuff or really crazy like uh, mystery thriller type stuff she she says the reason that she has nightmares is because of the stuff that i go to sleep watching on on tv she, she blames her nightmares on on my uh <laughs> on my tv show selection so uh, so i guess i do kind of like some weird stuff i don't know i don't think about it that way but yeah <laughs> i just think it's cool and weird and like i, I think it's cool and unique and it puts my brain working in a different way and i like that i don't yeah I don't necessarily think of it as dark, but I guess I can see how some people would. Yeah. Yeah. Eighth house is definitely thriller drama. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever been into like serial killer uh, documentaries or anything like that or, or crime shows or um, anything that kind of brings out that looking in the, you know, looking in the shadows kind of a thing or, you know, in anything like that. My husband's a Scorpio and I kind of have that complaint about him is whenever we want to sit down and watch something and he wants to, he wants to watch something about, you know, crime or something that involves, you know, <laughs> you know, those darker elements. So, so yeah, I would say if you like to watch more quirky or sci-fi or, you know, stuff like that, Neptune down here, Neptune rules actually movies, especially in regards to like sci-fi. Um, you have Neptune in the same house as your sun and Jupiter, which magnifies that Sagittarius energy. So um, I, I can see that coming out. All that, all that Uranus, Uranus lends that eccentric or quirky, uh, impulsive aspect to your personality i could see that combining with your taste in movies so yeah cool yeah anything else this has been very telling um, yeah so it, a lot of people will turn to astrology for um you know, like my closest friends will reach out to me if they have a new romantic interest or something they'll be like what can you tell me about this person are we compatible <laughs> Um, so I, I don't, I, consent is very, consent is very important in astrology. I will say that, that, you know, you definitely have to make sure you're getting birth times and you're getting birth information in a, in an ethical way. <laughs> um, you know, so if you directly ask somebody and you get their birth time, that's totally cool with me. So usually I will indulge that, that curiosity of my friends. But if you look at the seventh house. It opposes the first house, right? Your first house is your sense of self. Your seventh house represents your partnership. It represents your relationships. It represents marriage and it represents possibly uh, maybe business partners, you know, people who are 
people who are closely tied to you, people who you're going to interact with on a on a uh, close basis. Um, so most people think marriage and, and relationships when they look at the seventh house. So your seventh house is ruled by Aries. So Aries is, um, they often get accused of being hot-tempered, uh, aggressive. Um, on the more positive side, then they tend to be entrepreneurial. Um, they tend to be, they can be impulsive too. It's more of a, you know, act first, think later kind of an energy. Um, it's the sign of the warrior, the, the sign of the, you know, gorilla, the sign of the, you know, the, just the, when you think of the infantry uh, grunt soldier going off to battle, it's, that's Aries energy. Now, if you want more information on, you know, you have an empty seventh house here. You don't have any planets really giving that, that house power um, or influencing that energy. What you could do is look at the chart or the, that house ruler. So Aries is ruled by Mars. So you're going to have a Libra influence with this house of marriage and partnership. So the, this energy that, that takes over your house of marriage and partnership, it can either indicate the type of person you become in a relationship or it can indicate the type of person you're attracted to. So, you know, I, I could look at this and say that you do value when you do look at a potential partner or, you know, things you may be attracted to in your wife. You may you may be attracted to the fact she she might have a fighting spirit in her. Um, she <laughs> um, she might have a little bit of hot temperedness. I'm I'm not trying to make any accusations. I don't I don't want this to get me in trouble with the missus. No, I'm making her watch this now. <laughs> I tell her I tell her this all the time, but she she's kind of spicy and and uh, she doesn't believe me. <laughs> she absolutely is. Okay. Yeah. Um, with that, with that being influenced with this Mars and Libra though, I'm guessing she's charming. I'm guessing when she wants to turn on the charm, she absolutely has loads of it at her disposal. I'm guessing she's, you know, really good at getting to know people and, and, um, of course, you know, if she's a Gemini, that's inherent anyway, always talking to people. I, I wouldn't be surprised to know that she's, you know, maybe she's a chatty Kathy or maybe she's just good at forming those, uh, networking relationships or, um, or just, or just good at getting to know the people in her community and being a positive influence there, or, or people view her as a charming figure, as a pleasant person to be around. Um, yeah, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a, like you said, a spicy aspect to that personality. So <laughs> I don't, I, you know, it, with your relationship, uh, house being ruled by Aries and being ruled by that Mars and Libra, I could, I could definitely see arguments, not not necessarily being few and far between, but <laughs> not anymore. I'm, uh, I grew out of that phase of my life. That's good. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I think I covered most of the, the main things that kind of jumped out at me. I mean, um, that there, there's endless complexity in a, in a chart though. I, I'm, I'm still noticing things in my own chart, you know, almost a decade after I started studying astrology or, or sometimes I'll say something or do something, or sometimes somebody else will say something or do something. And I'll, I'll be like, Oh, there's that, you know, Venus and Libra, or there's that, you know, there's that Mars and, and Aries shining forth. So, so it's, it, it's definitely interesting. And I do feel that it's helped me to, to really, um, understand people better. So, and, and be able to navigate those relationships more easily. So, and I always hope I bring that to the table with my clients or any friends that I help with, with analyzing charts. You know, this was definitely interesting for me because a lot of that stuff, um, like I said, not, not really having a whole lot of knowledge about it and then getting to see it and, and have you explain it that way. And uh, makes, makes things make a lot of sense. You mentioned that you, you, uh, hadn't heard the, that you're very Sagittarius or something like that. Would you want to expand on that a little bit or like what, yeah. what is it that uh, makes you unique in that aspect? Yeah. So, <clears throat> so all of my Sagittarius placements, I have sun, Mercury and Venus and Sagittarius. So you would think that lends a very strong Sagittarian influence to me. The thing is all of those planets are in the 12th house. 
Now, the 12th house represents hidden things. It's our blind spots. So people never see that because all of the Sagittarius uh, aspects of me are locked away in the 12th house of hidden things. It's it's the shadow land. It's, you know, other people aren't going to see it most of the time. But so, so, yeah, when I when I tell people I'm a Sagittarius, they say, wow, I never would have guessed that. But when I tell people I'm a Capricorn, they're like, well, of course you're a Capricorn. <laughs> so. Yeah, I've got I've got five placements in Capricorn in the first house. So anything in your first house is going to absolutely shine forth in your personality. That's who you are. That's 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 what people immediately see in you. And I've I've got I've got all this stacked Capricorn energy in that first house of self. So so that's that's what that's what shines out at people. <laughs> well, anything else you wanted to add, or uh, and then you can give plugs or whatever as well. But. I mean, uh, we didn't really go into the Christian uh, aspect of, of astrology. A, a lot of Christians, I get this all the time, that that astrology is not compatible with Christianity. Um, I'm not out to necessarily convince those people or argue with them. I'm, you're more than likely never going to convince those people because I do understand there's a there's a strong segment of Christianity that thinks it's demonic or it's witchcraft or whatever. Um, I just I go off of what the Bible says about astrology. It says in Genesis that God put the lights in the sky. He put the, the lights in the heavens and and he said, let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and appointed times. There's a there's other, you know, verses that I could point to. I just um, yeah, I just, I just if if we understand and respect that God you know, put these entities there. They're not, you know, Venus is not an, a deity. It's not an entity to be worshipped. Um, so some of the more leftist leaning uh, astrologers, and that's most of them, um, would disagree with me. Uh, they they say Mars is the god of war. It's a deity that you have to respect. It's I don't believe that. They're just represent, representations of energy. They're magnificent rap, representations of energy that that give glory to God, just as we should give glory to God. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to get too, too much on my soapbox there, but. You can get but, as much on a soapbox as you want to. That's, <laughs> uh, that, that is something that um, I, I find that sort of stuff interesting. I've got a friend who is a, he's a pagan shaman and okay. whether I agree with that or not, uh, I'm very firmly Christian. Uh, whether mm-hmm. I agree with it or not, like it's a lot of, stuff that has to do with nature and energy and uh, a lot of this sort of stuff, astrology type of stuff. And for whatever I may think of paganism, it, he gets a lot of value out of it. And I also see a lot of real world uh, connections to what he believes and the things that he does. And uh, I was, I was deer hunting one time and we were going to be, we were going to hang out and, and drink and, catch up later that night and so he was texting me throughout the afternoon asking how how my hunt was going and if i'd seen anything and like man i've been out here for four hours i hadn't seen anything like it's perfect day for it i'm just like no luck and he was like do i need to get my bones and 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 uh, do a blessing for you i was like at this point i'll take literally anything because i'm (laughs) driving out and so he he like got me on a uh he like facetimed me and got his whole get up on and he he did his whole thing and gave me the blessing 30 minutes later, this giant doe comes walking out like wow. just perfect right there. So whether it had anything to do with him or not, there, you know, there's something, there might yeah. be something to some of that. And so, so looking at stuff like this, um, it, it all kind of connects whether, you know, whether mm-hmm. you're worshiping the same God or not, there is, there's definitely something to be said for the, communal aspect of nature and mm-hmm. and the planets and and i mean it's part of the farmer's almanac stuff too like the way mm-hmm. the way the world and the way the earth turns and the way the sky is positioned and the things that are going on in mm-hmm. in, in the heavens and on the earth it all connects and I, and I think there is definitely some value in exploring those connections and having a a better understanding of them both for your practical life and also just for like how it how it affects you and mm-hmm. understanding yourself, uh, you know, talking about the, uh, you know, inch, inch wide and a mile deep. Like I'm, that's, 
I understand me very well. And the more I'm able to understand me, the better me I can be. And so like being able to look at this sort of stuff and, and get a, get a good feel for yourself and, and know what it is that, uh, that you need out of life and, and how those things affect you. That's, there's an infinite amount of value to that, that uh, I don't think a lot of people spend enough time trying to just know who they are and why they are who they are. Yeah. Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I definitely agree with you and, and, and the idea that we are connected to everything, uh, God put us on this earth. We are supposed to have a relationship with plants. We are supposed to have a relationship with animals. We become way too disconnected and we're, you know, <laughs> But we followed the the stars, uh, you know, a few hundred years ago when we were on ships, you know, trying to figure out where to go. I don't I don't see any demonic aspect of, of looking to them in this time period. I don't. So, you know, as long as you're giving glory to God and, and thanking him for our ability to do so, I don't see anything wrong with it personally. So. Absolutely. Well, Stephanie, uh, give plugs. Where can people find you and how can they get a hold of you? Uh, hopefully people will reach out and get the get a look at themselves on some of this stuff as well as this has been really really fascinating for me it was very cool how how all of this stuff kind of lined up so yeah so give awesome. yeah absolutely so uh i my business page is uh the mountain mystic um my facebook link is www.facebook.com forward slash astro mountain mystic so that's astro a-s-t-r-o mountain uh it's the abbreviated MTN and then Mystic. Um, you can also message me at Stephanie Kinesnik. Um, I'm pretty easy to look up. I've got a weird last name. So <laughs> you can find me on Twitter by the same name as well. So those are the two that I primarily use. So I, I definitely appreciate it. Uh, I, I enjoy this conversation and, and I relish the opportunity to look at any chart. Um, I, I, I love it. Um, and I feel like I get a little bit better with every chart that I look at. So I, I learn just as much as everybody else every time I look at a chart. So awesome. thank you. Thank you very much. This has been a lot of fun for everybody who is watching and listening. Uh, be sure to tune back in next Monday. I am going to have Adam Patrick on with me. We'll do it live on Friday afternoon. We're going to talk about uh, the idea of Buddy Jesus and the kind of the degradation of American Christianity. Uh, I've been writing about that quite a bit on my Substack, and Adam and I are going to have a in-depth conversation about that. That'll be Friday, and then the actual episode itself will release on Monday. So be sure to tune in for that. And in the meantime, I hope everybody has a great rest of your day and a great rest of your week, and I will catch you later. Don't forget to head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check out our longest and most favorite sponsor, Carlos Vanessa Abelar and Paloma Verde CBD. Get all of your CBD needs, and you get 10% off your order of $75 or more, plus anything over $75 is free shipping. So head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com to get all your CBD needs. Have a good week, everybody.